Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. John, chapter 6, I'll be preaching this morning, verses 41 through 59. John, chapter 6, verses 41 through 59. And as you turn there, please join me in prayer as we ask God's blessing upon the reading and preaching of His Word. Our gracious Heavenly Father, how we love You and thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your Word that reveals to us Your will. Thank You that we have infallible truth as proclaimed in Your Word. We pray now that You would open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts, open our eyes to see Jesus with eyes and ears and hearts and minds of faith. We pray, Lord, that even today, that today would be the day of salvation for those who have yet to put their faith and trust in You. We ask and pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Hear the word of the Lord from John chapter 6, verses 41 through 59. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that came down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue, as he taught in Capernaum. May God bless the reading of his holy word and let his church say amen. amen. I don't know if 
you are aware, but there is a scientific theory out there that the earth is not round, but that the earth is indeed flat. There are people who believe that the earth is flat. And in 2017, a famous rapper started a GoFundMe account to raise money to send an independent spacecraft into orbit so that the craft could take pictures of the edge of the supposed disk shape of the earth. Some flat earthers, as they're called, believe that the earth's edges are surrounded by a wall of ice encasing the flat earth, keeping all the waters contained inside the earth. Other flat earthers believe that the earth sits inside of a kind of snow globe, you might say, which provides an atmosphere and prohibits anything from falling out over the edges of the earth. And because of the rise of popularity of the flat earth view, the scientific community is working to provide ample evidence that the earth is not flat, the earth is round. Evidence like the curved shape of the shadow of the earth on the moon during a lunar eclipse. Evidence like the rising emergence of ships on the horizon as they come to shore. Evidence like the appearance of different constellations of stars depending upon where you are in the earth. Evidence like the existence of time zones. And evidence like, oh I don't know, pictures from outer space that show that the earth is round. And despite the well-established science that the earth is round, it is not enough to change the mind of some people who believe that the earth is flat. They claim the evidence is nothing more than a conspiracy theory by the popular scientific and educational community and the government. In John 6, Jesus fed 5,000 men, the large multitude, with five barley loaves and two fishes as evidence, as a sign that He is the bread of life. Like God gave the Israelites manna in the wilderness, so too God has given Jesus to sustain His people spiritually. Jesus, as we see in this passage, is the bread of life for our atonement. Like a lamb that's killed to provide food, like a, a tear of wheat that is removed from the stalk, Jesus is the one who has come down from heaven to give His life so that we may live. Jesus is the bread of life for our atonement. And despite this evidence provided in John chapter 6 to the multitudes, there are many who, as we will read in this passage, who reject the evidence. They saw the sign, but missed the significance. They looked to Jesus for a miraculous meal, but they 
refused to look to Jesus for the miracle of salvation. This passage teaches us three things about faith and the atonement. I want us to look at them together. First, let's answer the question about why some people reject Jesus and reject the atonement. Let's look at this together. First, I want you to see that without faith, all people reject the atonement. If you don't have the eyes of faith to see, if you have not been given the gift of faith, you will not look to Jesus as the bread from heaven. You will not look to Jesus as the one who has given His life for the sins of the world. Do you see here in verse 41 the response of the Jews to Jesus' claim about being the bread from heaven? What do they do when Jesus makes this claim? Look at verse 41. The Jews did what? They grumbled about Jesus. What specifically were they grumbling about? Jesus had claimed to be the incarnate Word become flesh. He claimed to have come down from heaven to be God, come down from heaven to add to Himself a human nature and to live a perfect life. And so here the Jews are grumbling about this. Do you see that in verse 41? They are grumbling about Him. This is to remind us of the Israelites out in the wilderness who have been provided manna from heaven and how did the Israelites respond to God's gift of manna from heaven? Well, they do what? They grumble and complain about it. A grumble is a little more than an objection in the mind, and it's, it's a little more than a small expression of frustration. It's a little more like a complaint. It's like a, a vocalized objection you might say. And that's what the Jews are doing here in this passage. They are grumbling about the claim of Jesus. And look at verse 42. Here's the reason why they do that. They say, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? This is ridiculous, they are saying, for Jesus to claim that He's come down from heaven. This is ridiculous for Jesus to claim that He's greater than Moses. This is ridiculous for Jesus to claim that God is His Father. We know His parents. We know where Jesus has come from. That's what they're saying. We know Joseph. We know Mary. We know where Jesus is from. Jesus has lost His mind. It's absurd to think that, that God could become flesh through Jesus. We know Him. And so the Jews here in their grumbling are rejecting the incarnate Son of God. How, do they, how does He now say, they reply, I have come down from heaven? How could He possibly make such a claim? And Jesus responds to them, do not grumble among yourselves. Isn't it interesting? Jesus doesn't stop and answer every one of their objections. Jesus doesn't stop and explain to them the mystery of the hypostatic union. Jesus doesn't stop and explain to, to the crowds how He fulfills all of the Old Testament prophecies. Jesus has given them a sign. 
Jesus has already explained the significance of the sign. And so now, here he tells them, stop grumbling. Stop arguing among yourselves. You don't have the eyes of faith to see. That's what Jesus is saying. Well, because of their rejection of Jesus being the incarnate Son of God, they are rejecting the sacrifice of Jesus. Look here at verse 52. The Jews have moved from grumbling to argumentation. Do you see that in verse 52? Look at your Bibles, please. The Jews then did what? Notice they're no longer grumbling. They have moved to disputing among themselves. Now, here the objection and the mind and the, the murmurings and the complainings have turned into an open argument, you might say. The Jews are now disputing among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is absurd, they're saying. How can this Jesus, this Jesus that we know, this Jesus whose parents we know, how can he give us his life? to atone for our sins. They are arguing among themselves, this cannot be the Messiah that God has promised to us. Jesus responds to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Again, Jesus doesn't stop and answer all their objections. Jesus doesn't stop and explain to them penal substitutionary atonement. Jesus doesn't stop to explain to them justification by grace through faith alone. These are all important doctrines, but Jesus has given them the sign. He's already explained the significance, and they don't have the eyes of faith to see it. Here's the reason why. If the Incarnation and the Atonement are true, these Jews will have to confess that they are imperfect and that they are unable to pay and atone for their own sins. Think about it. Why did Jesus take on flesh? Why did Jesus add to Himself a human nature? He didn't need to add to himself a human nature. I mean, he was equal with God. He is the eternal second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. There's nothing in and of himself that he needed to add to himself a human nature. But Jesus added to himself a human nature. Why? Well, to live the perfect life that you and I are unable to keep. You see, each and every one of us have sinned. We have violated and transgressed God's law like our forefather, Adam. We have inherited Adam's sin nature and just like Adam disobeyed God and just like the Israelites disobeyed God, so too you and I have disobeyed God. We need someone to stand in our place and live a perfectly righteous, holy life in full obedience to God's law. And here comes Jesus, as Paul says and explains in Philippians chapter 2, who humbled himself. How did he humble himself? By taking the form of a servant. Though he was equal with God, he thought equality with God something not to be held on to, something not to be grasped, but he humbled himself and took the form of a servant. 
He became flesh. And he did so to live a perfect life that you and I are unable to live. But not only that, Jesus took on a human nature. Why? Not only to live a perfect life for our sins, but also to atone for our sins. You see, Jesus upon the cross, all the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin, that was laid upon the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. Jesus makes a full atonement. He pays the full penalty for our sins. If you wonder why people like your neighbors, your family members, your co-workers, your loved ones, maybe your parents, maybe your children, why is it that some of the very people that you know and love continually reject the Gospel of Jesus Christ? It is this. In order to accept the work of Jesus Christ, they have to confess that they are sinners. and That they need someone else to pay for their sins. This takes the eyes of faith to see. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1.18 that the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It doesn't make sense. They don't have faith to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, without faith, all people will reject the atonement. We are hopeless. Unable to receive the work of Christ. Unable to look upon Christ if we do not have faith. You and I, if we are in Christ this morning, we know all too well that we too were once unable to save ourselves. Still unable to save ourselves. But God in His rich mercy lavished His love upon us in our Savior Christ Jesus opening our hearts to the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ and giving us the gift of faith. You see, Jesus is the bread of life for our atonement. And without faith, we will reject Him. How do we get faith then? Jesus addresses that in this passage. I wonder if you saw that. To have faith, all people must be what? They must be drawn to receive the atonement. How do you receive faith? Well, faith is a gift. You have to be drawn to Jesus to have faith. Notice this here in verse 44, what Jesus replies to them. He tells them, the reason that you are rejecting Me is because you have not been drawn by the Father to Me. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 44, no one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws Him. See, it's the will and the work of the Father to draw those to Jesus Christ. It's the will and the work of the Father to open their hearts so that they can look unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Because faith is a gift. And without this free gift of God's grace, without this free gift of faith, we won't be able to be drawn to Jesus. 
Jesus is explicit about this. He writes in verse 45. He says in verse 45, it is written in the prophets. They will be all taught by God. Jesus is referencing here Isaiah 54 verse 13. Isaiah 54 13 speaks about the work of the suffering servant. That he is the one who draws the hearts of men to God. Jesus is saying, I'm that suffering servant. I'm the one whom the Father has sent to draw all men unto me. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. That's what Jesus is saying. Isn't it interesting? These Jews, remember, they have seen the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 men. They have heard Jesus' explanation of the sign, and yet they're rejecting Jesus. They had heard and learned and saw, but they hadn't really heard and learned nor saw, had they? To truly come to the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to hear and see and learn with faith. Faith that is granted to us as a gift. Why is that? Why is it necessary for us to have faith? Well, here's why in verse 46. None of us have seen God, have we? Not a single one of us have seen God. We're not able to look upon God. We're unable to gaze upon His holiness. We're unable to look upon His perfection. God is spirit. He does not have a body like man. We're not able to understand the mysteries of His counsel. So we need the eyes of faith to look unto God. And Jesus says here, not anyone... Not that anyone has seen the Father except who? He who is from God. This is part of the reason why Jesus came. Jesus came from the Father because He has seen the Father. He reveals the Father. And so you look in faith unto the Lord Jesus Christ and you see the Father. You hear in faith from the Lord Jesus Christ and you hear from the Father. Louder than you hear the joyful sounds of children in church this morning. <laughs> what happens when a person receives the gift of faith? Jesus explains it here. When they're drawn to receive the atonement, they look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ and His atoning work on the cross. Jesus says here, whoever believes has eternal life says that in verse 47. I am the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life for our atonement. The fathers, their fathers, the Jewish fathers, ate the manna in the wilderness and they died, Jesus says. I'm the bread that has come down from heaven so that you can eat of me and not die. I'm the living bread come down from heaven. You see how clear Jesus is being here. He's painstakingly making this clear. He's the one who's come down from heaven to give His life. If anyone eats of this bread, they will live forever. What is this bread, Jesus? The bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. We confessed in the Westminster Confession today what this work of God's grace is. We call it effectual calling. It's the eye in the tulip, the irresistible grace. If you know your doctrines of grace, it's the eye in tulip, the irresistible grace. 
We call it effectual calling. What is effectual calling? Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit whereby our minds are convinced of our sin and misery. We become convinced of our sin and misery when the Holy Spirit calls us and our minds become enlightened in the knowledge of Christ, our wills become renewed, and we are persuaded and enabled to embrace Jesus Christ as He's freely offered to us in the Gospel. You see, faith is a gift. Without faith, we will not come to Christ. Effectual calling is less like convert, convincing a person with heart disease to go on a new low-sodium diet, and it's more like raising a dead man to life whose heart has stopped. Effectual calling is less like giving a person in a dark room a flashlight, and it's more like rescuing a hopelessly lost person in a dark cave. Effectual calling is less like teaching a hungry man a new recipe and more like giving a dying man a meal that saves his life. And many people will object to this and they will say, of course, the age-old debate, well, what about my what? Free will. What about my free will? Are you telling me that God dragged me to Jesus kicking and screaming? Well, it's not what the confession says, is it? We come, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ freely. Well, how do we come to the Lord Jesus Christ freely? Well, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ freely because He changes our wills to come to Him freely. You see, the argument about our free will presupposes that our wills are a blank slate. Our wills are not a blank slate. The argument of free will that a person is freely able to come to Jesus without the work of the Holy Spirit is to assume that that person has not been affected by what? By sin. You see, each and every one of us have a sin nature, don't we? The Bible tells us that we are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. We are at enmity with God. We are enemies of God in our sin. The reason why people without faith don't come to the Lord Jesus Christ is why? They don't desire to come to Jesus. In order to come to Jesus and to look in Him, we have to have the gift of faith. The Spirit must draw us to Jesus. Well, without faith, all people reject the atonement. To have faith, we must be drawn to receive the atonement. But what happens to those who receive the gift of faith? Well, with faith, God's people persevere because of the atonement. You see that here in this passage? Jesus describes what happens to those who eat His flesh and drink His blood. What do they do? They persevere. See that here in this passage? Verse 54, Jesus says, Whoever feeds on My flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life. I'll raise them up on the last day, Jesus says. They'll persevere. Those who come to Me by faith, they will persevere. They'll persevere in this life. Because notice that Jesus says, 
Jesus doesn't say they will have eternal life. When do they have eternal life? When do they receive eternal life? They have eternal life here and now. As we experience the gifts of God's grace, justification, adoption, effectual calling, peace with God, increase of grace, assurance of His pardon, joy in the Holy Spirit. All these are gifts of God that we receive in eternal life here and now. Jesus says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. What happens? How are we enabled to have how are we enabled to persevere and have eternal life now? Well, Jesus abides with us. Do you see that here in verse 56? Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood does what? Abides in me, and I in him. You see, Jesus' life sustains us, not only in this present life, but also for the future life as well. Notice how Jesus refers to this in the future tense of eternal life as well. What does Jesus say? I'll raise him up on the last day. Verse 54. Verse 58. This is the bread of life that came down from heaven. Not like the bread that the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on, my, who feeds on this bread will do what? Live forever. What Jesus is saying is that those who come to the Lord Jesus Christ, not only do they persevere in this life, but they persevere unto eternity. Here's what Jesus wants these Jews to understand, and here's what God wants all of us to understand. You see, just like food, from womb to the tomb, we are all dependent upon the nourishment of food and drink. Think about it. All of us were once but a twinkle in our father and mother's eyes. We were all dependent upon the nourishment from our mother in our mother's womb. After we were born, we were completely helpless to feed ourselves and we needed someone to come along and feed us. As we grew, we needed food to enable our bodies to grow and our minds to grow. And as we moved into the next phase of life, we need food to sustain our life and even all the way to the grave, we need food to sustain us. We never live a moment from our lives apart from and separate from the need for food and drink. We're totally dependent upon it. We're so dependent upon it, it becomes a staple in our communities and in our households and in our families and in our cultures. Think about the holidays that we celebrate together. What's the big event around the holidays that you celebrate? Well, it's a meal, isn't it? You gather around the table to enjoy a meal together. Think about the highlight of many families' days is gathering around the table to enjoy food. So not only does the food sustain our physical bodies, but the food becomes an essential part of our fellowship with one another. And this is what Jesus is explaining here in this passage. From womb to the tomb in our spiritual lives, we are absolutely dependent upon Jesus. He's the food that gives us new life. He's the food that enables us to grow as Christians. And He is the food that enables us to persevere unto death. 
And He's the food that enables us to live forever in glory. Not only does His food sustain us, but the food that Jesus gives us gives us great fellowship with our Savior Jesus Christ. One of the reasons that we have the Lord's Supper so often is to enjoy this fellowship as a family, as a church, as the body of Christ. When we gather around the table of the Lord, what are we doing? We are having spiritual fellowship with one another. Not only spiritual fellowship with one another, but spiritual fellowship with whom? With the Lord Jesus Christ, who is present at each and every one of our meals. As we feed upon Him by faith from our hearts. From womb to the tomb, we are dependent upon Jesus. And yet, it amazes me that at times in my own life, I think that I'm able to sustain myself. It amazes me that at times in my life, I grow so busy that I fail to, to recognize that I'm absolutely dependent upon Jesus. That maybe there's a time, maybe there's a day when I don't need to have fellowship with Jesus. Maybe there's a Sunday when it's not so important for me to go to church in the morning or in the evening. Maybe there's a time when it's not so important for me to gather with other Christians. I'm so busy right now, I don't have time for all these other things. And what Jesus wants us to do is to realize our need of Him for every single moment. To come to the means of grace that He's provided for us. The preaching of the Word, prayer, and the sacraments. To come to them that our faith may be nourished. From womb to the tomb. Jesus is the bread of life for our atonement. He enables us to persevere through this life. Do you see how dependent you are on Jesus? Do you see that without faith you'll reject the atonement? Do you see that to have faith you must be drawn by the Spirit to receive the atonement? Do you see that if you're drawn with faith that you'll be enabled to persevere? Do you have that hope this morning? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as the bread of life for your atonement? I pray that you do. And I pray that this sermon is a great reminder for you of how dependent you are upon Jesus. If you're not in Christ this morning, what do you do to receive faith? Well, you can't do anything. But if the Spirit is knocking upon your heart this morning, I pray that today will be the day that you look to Him in faith. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord our God, how we thank You for Your Word. How we thank You for the free gift of salvation. How we thank You for the gift of faith. We pray, Lord, that You would open dead hearts, make them alive, draw them irresistibly to Your grace this morning. I pray, Lord, for those Christians who need the reminder of how dependent they are upon Jesus. I pray, Lord, that You would remind them from Your Word that You will enable them to persevere and that they might abide with You, not only now, but for all eternity. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.